This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. As we continue our look at women and the workplace, pleasure to welcome back to our show, Laura Zarrow, who many of you know is the host of Women at Work every Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time here on Sirius XM 132. She's also executive director of Wharton People Analytics. Hi, Laura. Great to talk to you again. Great to be back, Dan. How are you? I'm doing very well. Uh, so I'm, I've been asking our guests what this month means to them specifically. Let me start there with you. Oh, so Women's History Month in general, you know, I have mixed feelings. Got to be honest. I wish, you know, we didn't need Women's History Month, but I'm grateful that we have it because it's a fantastic time to shine a spotlight on women's contributions to our culture, our businesses. Um, and the impact we can make in the world, and also the problems we need to solve. And this year's scene uh, really touches my heart because it's celebrating women's storytellers. And, um, you know, that hits close to home. So there's an important component to that of of being able to deliver the the message about what has occurred in the past and then what hopefully can occur down the road as well. Yes, absolutely. And that by celebrating the women's storytellers and not just the telling of women's stories, it's honoring that, you know, history looks different depending on whose eyes are looking at it. And so it makes sure that um, the way that we understand the world that we live in has more dimensionality and um, is more likely to include the unique experiences that women face. Biggest topic that you're talking about on your show right now in regards to women in the workplace. Oh, burnout is a really big one um, and a concern about the talent pipeline um, and the impact of burnout on keeping women in the pipeline all the way up to the C-suite. Is there enough of a recognition by companies, by the corporate uh, leadership that, that burnout is, is, a, is a growing concern uh, across the United States and really around the globe right now? Well, I think it does vary organization by organization. Um, putting my people analytics hat on, um, I really am seeing more and more organizations that are trying to do pulse checks to see how their employees are doing and to kind of figure out ways to remedy it. But there's aspects of corporate culture um, that still haven't changed enough. Mm -hmm. And where we're seeing maybe the most disastrous uh, impact of this is in the C-suite. So we know that women all through the pipeline are struggling, but it's taken – all of us, um, the community trying to advance these women, the organizations recruiting and developing them, yeah. you know, 20 to 30 years to get the women in the C-suite who are there. And we're finding that they're stepping down, whether it's from organizations or even at the helm of various countries, with alarming frequency because of just how awful it's been. It seemed like in 2019 – that things were getting better and and that we were mm-hmm. heading down a, a, a more positive path on a lot of those fronts. <laughs> and then this yeah. little thing of the pandemic hit and, and obviously that had, you know, turned the world upside down. And, and it's, it's almost like you're, you've kind of unfortunately had to hit the refresh button again. Yeah, it's very true. And the place where the pandemic hit the hardest, so I think it's had two impacts. The one is, Running a business just got so unbelievably hard. The financial pressures are enormous. Employee activism, um, all of the changes and challenges that came with remote and hybrid work, even though there's a lot of net positive there. Those are challenges that leaders are facing. 
But one of the big pipeline problems we have is that the pandemic forced so many women at the, who, who were just at mid-level, who, because that's also when most women have families yep. and are taking care of kids or elders. So many of those women dropped out of the workforce that we don't have a pipeline to get more women into the C-suite to replace the people we've lost. What's it going to take, do you think, then, to be able to get meaningful uh, meaningful legislation here in the United States around leave policies? Oh, wow. Yeah, the, it, the legislation makes a big difference. Um, I think it's hopefully it's something that can rise above the red team, blue team discourse and get addressed as something that's good for workers and for workers across the country in all aspects of business and industry, because it really is something that affects every single family. Unfortunately, I don't think the red team or the blue team is is (laughs) going to be able to get enough done on that area. And then that that makes me say, okay, so that throws it in the lap of corporations to to kind of do some of this stuff. Exactly, which we also see in other highly politicized areas like um, reproductive health, where organizations are trying to do what they can to retain their own workforce. Yeah. And so you're right. The organizations figuring out how to have internal policies that enable people to stay successful in a sustainable way over time while they're having families, while they're caring for parents. Um, while they're getting educations and continuing to develop, because it's a long-term investment by the company, yeah. but it means structuring both internal systems and culture to support that along the way. There is also the discussion around what the workplace is going to look like, uh, remote work, return to work. Uh, how do you see those components playing out in, in and around some of these issues that women deal with? So, um, it's a huge and important question. Um, I think recog- stepping away from our preconceived notions of that's the way we've always done it, this is more comfortable for me. Um, in other words, not rushing back into the office with mandates that everybody's there without really looking at the data that's available about when and why that works and when and why it's not really necessary. Um, There's been extensive research done by Future Forum, an amazing group that came out of Slack, that's showing that if you operate instead with a digital first orientation, where people are going to have flexibility, not just in where they work, but in the hours that they work, workers are happier and more productive, and that you still can sustain connectivity in corporate culture, but you make much more conscious decisions about when and why and how to bring people together in person. And for working parents, it's like night and day. It makes all the difference in the world to not have a commute and to be able to have flexible hours yeah. so that you can be present for everybody in your life. But then the cynics will say about that hours component, okay, well, if you're working different hours, the concern is, okay, you're going to start to work more 10 and 12-hour days if you're used to working eight hours. You've just spread them out over kind of a 16-hour window. <laughs> yeah, it's a real thing. So there are, kind of, there are some remedies for that, and some of them have to be organizational, team-based, and individual. Boundaries matter, and they need to be respected. Um, and so it's one thing that so we have to message to the people on our teams 
that we don't expect that to happen, and we have to create an open door for them to communicate when it is happening. Not to mention that organizations that are larger and have the people analytics capacity can actually track what's happening with their workers Mm -hmm. between engagement surveys and data mining to see what the dynamics are so that they can get in front of it. Um, The other part of it is to normalize when do you have collaborative team time in the day where everybody's expected to be available and then really use blackout time for people to have desk time as they need it. So where do you think we're headed in regards to a lot of these issues uh, that, that obviously have, you know, they've carried a lot more weight on our shoulders over the last couple of years? Mm-hmm. I think that we're going to start to see more comfort with remote and hybrid work and more normalization of it. Um, I think one of the things that has to get solved is what do organizations do with all that gorgeous real estate they invested in? Yes. Um, but in order to keep um, the talent that they have, um, they're going to need to figure this out. And also, the rising generation, these are digital natives who have been living virtually. Um, they have a much more developed sense of what do they want to be in person for and what do they want to do remotely. And we need to be listening to them and learning from them. As leaders, they have a lot to teach us, and we need to support them yeah. and figure out how to be flexible. Don't forget about all those DIY projects that everybody did to, so, that, <laughs> so that they can enjoy those as well, right? Exactly. I got a few at home I have to return to. There you go. Laura, great to talk to you again. Thanks very much. Same here, Dan. Thanks. Laura Zero, who you hear as the host of Women at Work every Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time here on Sirius XM. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.